Today we celebrate the solemnity, the great solemnity of Christ the King. That's why there's an upside down trapezoid on my head. This is actually called a Beretta. It's kind of like your grandfather's gun that he used to shoot, to shoot gut ducks, but instead it's something that I get to wear. It's something that, very exciting. Several years ago I was in Rome and I was visiting a seminarian friend who may or may not have been a priest here at one point. And we were kind of exploring the, the Roman landscapes, kind of around St. Peter's. And all of a sudden, around noontime, I hear a cannon go off. Pow! I was like, what the heck is that? And so, the seminarian chimed in. And he said, that was a cannon put there by Mussolini to send the Pope a message to remind him every day that he's not in charge, that Mussolini's in charge. Well, that sounded pretty cool. Right after he said that, immediately the priest that was with us chimed in and said, yes, and yet after that cannon goes off, the Angelus bells ring, and the Pope sends the message to Mussolini, hey, you're not in charge, I'm not in charge, God's in charge. Very good logic, very good wisdom. And uh, lo and behold, I went and looked it up on the internet, and actually that's not true at all. Neither of those things are true. (laughs) Maybe that's why we don't send people to Rome very much anymore. <laughs> but it, it's a good story, at least. I mean, the truth is, the canon was there just, that was before atomic time and before fancy clocks, and that was just to let everybody know when noon was. But it's a cool story nonetheless to remind the world that actually God's in charge. No great ruler, no Italian, no, no Italian totalitarian ruler can be fully in charge. And that's the message of today's feast. Today's feast was established in 1925 by St. Pius XI in the wake of communism, in the wake of socialism, right after World War I. And it was to send that exact message that we are not in charge, that communism is not in charge, that socialism is not in charge, but that Christ is in charge, that Christ is the ruler, that Christ is the way, that Christ is the truth, Christ is the life. And that if we really want to learn how to lead, if we want to learn how to rule, if we want to learn how to be kings, all we have to do is look to him. And he can show us three beautiful ways to rule that we can incorporate in our own lives. The first way that I find, and it answers a lot of questions that we have, is what Christ does is he allows his subjects as king, he allows his subjects freedom to make choices. But he maintains consequences for actions, for their actions. He gives them the freedom to make their choices. He gives us the freedom to do what we will. But he holds to the consequences that come about. He doesn't just erase the consequences that might, that might come about because of our bad choices. And I think that's the, that's the answer to so much wrong that we see in the world. A lot of us look in the world, a lot of people, especially like on this campus, those, the, the atheist professors look to disprove God by pointing out the problem of evil. If God really is the ruler, why is it that his subjects do so many bad things? And it's because God does not rule the way Mussolini rules. He doesn't rule the way Adolf Hitler rules. He doesn't rule the way Joseph Stalin rules. He's not a totalitarian ruler. He's a king. This is something that I think we, need to, we always need to remember by looking back upon history, is that kings really weren't dictators. 
Yes, kings of the book, the buck kind of always stopped at the kings, but the kings relied on noblemen, on feudal lords to kind of rule their territory. They were not these kind of iron-fisted men. In fact, the only time that you really see true, absolute monarchy isn't until the 16th century with Louis the Fourteenth. This isn't a very this isn't a very common preconception, and that's very much what we can sow and look at whenever we look at the lens of Christ. Christ is not a totalitarian ruler. He's a king. And in doing so, what he does is he allows his subjects, he allows his children, he allows his brothers to make decisions. And in doing so, he will never hit the reset button on these decisions. That's how a benevolent king works. That's how a good parent works. A good parent doesn't helicopter over their children. A good parent doesn't kind of keep them from doing every little, make every little mistake possible. Good parent will allow the child to make the mistake and, and allow, make the child deal with the consequences. It's a very great tra- tragedy whenever parents enable their children to make mistake after mistake after mistake, never allowing them to learn from the consequences that come about. And that's something that Christ allows us to do. Yes, he will allow us to do our thing. He will allow us to make our free choices. But we will too will have to live with the consequences if we turn against him. That's what a good king does. That's what a good parent does. But the second thing Christ does that I find so inspiring about his kingship is that Christ doesn't rule from from an ivory tower out of the middle of nowhere. Christ led us by example. There's nothing he asks us to do that he didn't already do himself. Whenever he asks us to suffer, he suffered. Whenever he asks us to praise God, he praised the Lord. Whenever he asks us to give our lives for others, he did the exact same thing. Christ is a leader by his example. And it shows us the very blueprint on how we are to lead our families, we are to lead our employees, we are to lead our friends. is by being that example first and foremost. The next thing, the third and final thing that he shows us though, that I find just absolutely beautiful, is that Christ teaches us that if we're really going to be kings, if we're really going to be rulers then our purpose is to rule for others. To rule for others. I feel like a lot of times when we talk about kingship and we talk about hierarchy and bosses and all those other things, we get, we get this idea that that's a very glamorous job. That these, that these kind of these CEOs and these priests and these bishops, these popes, whatever, kind of in a sense have it made. But what we fail to realize until we actually get to these posts and positions is that actually... The glamour is very, very thin. And the reality to, the, the, to leadership is leadership is not a matter of self-glorification. It's a matter of service. It's a matter of giving our lives and dying for somebody else. It's a matter of actually sitting down one night and writing homilies, not so that I can be praised after, but so that other people can be benefited. It's a matter of praying and praying and praying, not so that for necessarily my sanctification, but for the sanctification of the parish, the sanctification of all of you. That's the difference between a good priest and a bad priest, a good ruler and a bad one. One lives and dies for his own image. One lives and dies for himself. But a good ruler lives and dies for his friends, lives and dies for his subjects, even whenever they don't care even whenever they don't care. And that's what Jesus did for us. The agony, the passion, the blood that he sweat was ultimately for people who didn't really care that much, 
who didn't fully understand what he was doing. For people who abandoned him at the cross, and yet he still did it. He still did it. And that's a blueprint for every single one of us. Every single one of us. Is that if we really want to rule, if we really want to be kings, all we need to do is three simple things. And it's allow our subjects to make their own choices and their own mistakes. To lead by example. And to remember that our leadership, our jobs, are not for ourselves. They're for others. Amen.